0: Today is the last day of the year, so for a lot of you, I'm not going to see you till next year. It's the truth. (laughs) But we want to just mention some of the things, a little snippet of the things that we accomplished this year. And we've we've moved forward, and we noticed that in the Scriptures, the church is always to move forward. It's always moving forward, uh, whether uh, in, in different actions, different deeds, even even music. Music through the years, uh, through the hundreds of years, it's changed in the church uh, by culture and, and different lands. Uh, you know, in, in in America, there's a lot of churches. Was, there was. Uh, A big Christendom spirit, you know, where everyone, everybody went to church in the 50s and they built churches, you know, all over the United States. And then there was a great awakening in Great Britain and Scotland. And a lot of times those churches die because the people who started it, their kids grow up and they move off. And the church gets comfortable for what they had envisioned from 30 years ago. But the scriptures tell us that uh, Jesus said that upon this rock Peter I'm going to build my my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's prevailing which means we are we the church is to kick through those doors. We're always moving forward to to be relevant to the next generation. So the gates of hell were not are, are not going to prevail. They can't stand against an advancing church. We're not to stand still. Uh, the, the last thing Jesus said to, to his disciples was, Go. And so that's what we've done. And, and what we, next year, we need to look at the end of the year at some of the things that have changed to keep pushing forward, to keep changing. And fortunately for some of you who have been in, grew up in the church, you're going, Oh, this music's so crazy. You know, uh, we're always going forward, we're always being relevant. Uh, For the next generation, so let's just take a quick look at some of the things that we can celebrate Well, there you go. Look at that guy. Look at that good-looking guy When he had color in his hair and there's Pat Lynch with hair so uh, Pat uh, usually comes to the first service. That was our 30th. We had our 30th year for this church out on our property and by the way when we move out there, for those of you who come to church in the rain, we will have pavement. You won't have to swim. You won't have to wade. You can walk on pavement to come into the, the church building. Here's Kids Church. This year, we hire full-time uh, Ryan McKenzie as uh, our children's pastor. <laughs> Ryan and Grace... And they've built a great team. And Ryan was a fitness instructor, and so he is always about pushing forward and pushing forward. One of the things that he told us last year that, you know, he feels like because he's got 25 kids. Um, I really lost count, but it's up there. Um, he says he really needs to spend more time with his children, so we hired him on as full-time youth past- uh, children's pastor. Uh, <laughs> You want to spend more time with him? Yeah, okay. But uh, he's always pushing forward. He actually is being tutor- tutored by the people who oversee um, Andy Stanley's Children's Church in Atlanta. And it's a fantastic work. Uh, and so he's always learning. He's written a couple of books uh, on, on sales and business for uh, the athletic stuff. So we know that he's a worker. We know he's a visionary, always going forward. And that is the pace that we've set for children's church, because that is our next generation. Let's go on small groups. We have more small groups this year than the year before. I think something like 18 more small groups. And we have open groups. It can be anything that, that interests you. Uh, the whole idea is that we want to touch you. you uh, we want you to touch us. So we've opened the groups and they're we, we have a session in the summer, a session in the winter. There's a start and an end. It's not like you go to this group and it's like, okay, well, you'll be here in the next 30 years and we'll bury you. Um, no, you're, you're released. You know, it's like, what if I go to the group and I don't like it? Leave, you know, don't come back. Plus they change every, every so-and-so. Even look at that one up there. That is not ginger ale. This kind of rubbed me and any other Quaker or Baptist in here, it kind of, kind of, kind of push it. But they said, "How to make beer?" You know. So I said, "How do we make this spiritual?" And I think Peter said, it "says Learning how to turn you know beer, uh, water into beer, um, instead of wine." Uh, but you know, the Lord uh, did tell that. Well, they didn't have communion with grape juice. So let's just say that. All right. So it says, "Don't get drunk," but we've more groups. In fact, in the things that we do, uh, we're we're doing two thirds more. It's tripled than the year before. It is tripled in what we're doing. And like I said, the reason you know is—is it to educate you? Is it you know education is is great? uh, Wisdom, uh, knowledge is power. But that's not the main reason. The main reason we do this is we want to find things that you're interested in, that we have knowledge about. We want to touch you, and we want you to touch us. We want to get to know you. And, and that's part of what the, the story of this church is um, and, and for the next year. Let me just tell you, uh, the, we have a thing called Growth Track. Our Growth Track is just two classes. It's during this service. Um every month, just two of them, and I call it the fast track. How do you get planted? People want to know, how do I get planted? And you can wonder for years, uh, Jason Gilkey, who's been in this church for over 10 years, uh, he actually was the gentleman who owned the property that we bought in Apopka to to build the next church. And he said just like a month ago, he goes, "I, I need to get a little more connected. How do I get connected? And we told him, have you been to Growth Track, Fast Track? He goes, No. He's been here for over 10 years. He's never been to it. And this is how, if you want to know why we do the things we do, the different things that we do, and how you can get planted, who the leaders are of these areas, that would be the Fast Track Growth Track, uh, if, if that is in your plans. Uh, we have a thing where we used to have the coffee team and this greeting team and this team, and we just all combined them. Uh, Hannah and Phil Chang are, are in charge of it. And what we've done is we've put all those who serve all together. They meet before the first service. They pray. Someone tells the whole group once every Sunday why, they, why they're why they there, how they got there, what their, their ministry is. And really, the it's a great name, the Go Team, because Jesus said to go. That was his last command, to go. And even uh, we have... <clears throat> Classes. I kept saying NYU. I was thinking of Josh. They have Josh and uh, uh, Cindy was on my brain. They went to NYU. It's NWC <laughs> uh, Northwest. Uh, we we have our school and in, and in our school, uh, the class that Aslan wrote last year was uh, and and I did a whole month of this is my story. Well, they taught uh, during NWC. You know, how to tell a story, how to tell your story. And an amazing thing that happened is that when we learned that when people would come up and at the end of the class, someone would volunteer to tell their story, whatever their story is. And I asked Aslan, I said, So what came out of it? She goes, People wouldn't leave. Usually we have a class like that, you know, come nine o'clock, see ya, we're gone. But we couldn't leave. We had to push them out the door. Is that when whenever you tell people your story, you touch them. You draw them in. You move something emotionally in them and yourself. And we found that there's a connection. And that, that's what this church does. That's, that's our number one purpose. Like I said, you know, knowledge is power. But to have that touch. Just as another level to, to be able to express your story, to have someone hear your story, to hear their story. It connects you with them at another level that's safe. It's inspiring. It's engaging. And so <clears throat> someone's calling to tell you a story. So, <laughs> so that brings me to this. At night, a lot of times the Lord will wake me up Um, sometimes during the day. And uh, and, in this last year, I would just get names. I would just get this crazy name, like, you know, John Hampton. And I just have John, i just wake up and I go, John Hampton. And every morning I have a song in my head. I don't know where it came from. Just, I have a song and I'm singing a song. then Chris and I play this game where I hum it in front of her and she starts humming it, you know, I go, gotcha. So, I just have this name. So every now and then I said, I just, I can't get this name out. And I'd look on the computer and see if it's something in the news. It's nothing in the news. And I couldn't figure it out. So it occurred to me, I said, you know what? The Lord gave me John Hampton and I I just pray for him. And I get in the morning, I read my news on the phone. I do my little devotion that comes in the gateway. My, and I was saying, Lord, I want to just lift up John Hampton. You put him in my head. Um, you know, maybe somewhere somewhere. Around the world, John Hampton just <laughs> fell to his knees. I'm like, I just feel the presence. I don't know. But why he, why do we get this name? I would get a name every week just in my sleep. Well, I got this in my sleep about two or three weeks ago. I just woke up. I wrote it down. I said, be the answer before the solution. So I go, it's, that's just odd enough that I think I need to study it and figure out what the heck does that mean? What does it mean? Be the answer before the solution. And then I started to see so many commands in the scriptures that this could be applied to. Then I even saw how Jesus was the answer before the solution. I even saw God move in this. I said, you know what? And I recognize this is the path that this church has always been on, to be an answer before the solution, to touch people, to touch them where they are here and now, not to have the solution because they do not really to receive. Mothers, when your daughter walks in and she's in tears and, she, and your daughter's going, oh, mom, well, I don't know. I just feel so bad. And you, you have the solution to get rid of that boyfriend. Doesn't work, does it? So you have the solution, but that's not what she asked. The answer was, "I want someone to hear me. I want someone to touch a hurt in me." If you offer the solution, they almost stand against it. Now I know you mothers; you would never. I'd never do that with my daughter. I'm always sensitive. All right, I'll go. I'll get get you where you're at. You have a problem. You, something's hurting in you, and you tell your husband. You know, and you, what you, we don't realize is that most men, underneath their shirt, they're wearing a blue leotard with a big red S on it. Well, they there's Superman. And if there's a damsel in distress, you just, you just want to rip that shirt off. going, honey, I'm your man. Not that dramatic. They just going. they try to give you the solution. And of course, you always receive the solution, right? <laughs> I think we're getting a little closer to home. You know what I'm talking about. We all have the solution for everyone's problem. But very seldom do we hear the here and now, what they're saying. Very seldom. Even... God touched us before He gave a solution. He touched. He He was the answer before He gave a solution. Said, "For God so loved us." That's the answer to feel love. That He sent the solution. When you feel loved, when you feel that emotional touch, and that's how the Lord feels. With He says. I so love you that I'm going to send a solution. You're going to sense my love, and it's the solution. You're going to see my love in him, and that's going to be your solution. We are to touch people because when you touch them in in, in some emotional way, if you, you reach them here and now, it crumbles their wall of doubt. It crumbles their wall of fear. It crumbles it in an instant we're going to see Jesus doing that. Look at this verse. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're not mighty disciples. It didn't say, go and heal everybody. Go and speak these incredible words. It said, go and love them, and you'll know They'll know you're my disciples because it's that's where God meets us. He tears down a wall because He receives us as we are. Nobody likes me. No one receives me. There's one one who will touch you. There's someone who loves you right now. What? Walls gets torn down. Solutions gonna come. You see, the best way to get a solution, is one that you discover yourself. And if there's something always in front of you, a doubt, fear, I'm different, no one received me, if, if there's something always in there, that's all you see that you can't see what the solution is. And so the answer is, is to deal with that. Jesus does it so well to tear that wall down just for a second and you'll discover a solution. You see, if you just receive, well, Pastor Mark said, it's my truth, someone's going to steal that truth from you. But if you discover your solution yourself, no one can take you from the hand of God. If you discovered the Lord, if you discovered his acceptance, his love, his word he said nothing can remove you from his hand. But for you to d- discover solution. Someone needs to be an answer. To tear a wall down in your life. The here and now. The here and now. In Galatians he goes let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. There is just an emotional level that must be touched, and it's touched by other people. That's not the solution. That's the answer to free the solution. I think the best way for you to see this is visually. Visually. I got a video. It's not, it looks like Michael Brown, but it's not Michael Brown. <laughs> and see if you see yourself. Oh, or of course, a couple that you know that has this problem. Let's go ahead. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And. and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! Try to see things my way. (laughs) Preacher, brother. <laughs> he wanted the solution because he had the solution. But not once did she ask for a solution. She wanted someone to listen and accept, to hear her. That's what she needed. And it's so amazing that when, when we read about Jesus, that we see we 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 run to the part where it says and he healed them but we don't see where he was the answer that just took down the wall took down the wall of this person so that they could receive the solution and I'm just going to read some of these stories and we'll start with um first John 13 oh no no we were we were already there um Before I go to the scriptures, it's interesting that philosophy today, uh, uh, psychology today, they made a statement. They had a huge study of different professors, and they still can't figure it out. But they have found that there is actually a a connection with a a loving touch, a loving word, that it stimulates a part of the cortex that nothing else does except when people are touched either physically or emotionally emotionally. Something is stimulated in the part of their brain. He said that through words, through touch, by giving someone attention, they experience joy, love, gratitude, and sympathy by that one touch. And Jesus does it so well. In Matthew 8, verse 2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Let's look at the situation. Jesus is standing here now. First of all, leprosy is a death sentence, and besides it being a death sentence, that once you're discovered that you have leprosy, you live by yourself. You live off in in colonies because it's it's transmitted by touch, and so from from being in a family, you're banished. Not to be hugged, not to be able to hug your grandchildren or your children or your wife or your husband, your mom. You're banished. You no longer have that touch. How, how that must just ache. Man, it's all you can think of is if I could just, if I could just feel the caress. Someone who cares. Touch, human touch. So this man, we don't know how long he's been banished. I mean, if you, if you come up on, on people and they see that you're a leper, they throw rocks at you to keep you away from them. You're completely rejected. And out of love, you don't go near your family in fear that you're going to give it to them, and they reject you anyway. And here a man comes up to Jesus he said, if you're willing and you you can make me clean. Here's what it says. We don't see this part because we go right to the healing. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Can't he He's kneeling before him. He goes, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Don't you know he froze? You touched me. Every bit of doubt it it's gone. Don't you see? The man felt the human touch it was so important that they wrote it down Jesus touched him Jesus didn't heal him then Jesus touched him when Jesus touched him he says I am willing and he was healed Jesus accepted him as he was He accepted him, and don't you know at that very second how shocked he, here it is, He's asking for all of this. That you know, there's some doubt in him. It's going. There's no. There's no one's ever been healed of this. No one's ever been healed of this. But if you're willing, you know, and that's what's going through his head. And all of a sudden, because of that touch, all that doubt, shut up! It crashed to the ground. Long enough for him to say, "Yeah, I'll heal you." you're clean because he met the man right there he was the answer the solution the answer so flattened down his doubt the solution came through he had it he had the ability to receive i just, i just can't imagine the look on the man's face You touched me. You touched me. When Jesus was walking through the town, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, nobody liked, little Zacchaeus. And he was, couldn't see over anybody, so he'd hike up his skirt, he'd run ahead, and he climbed a tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus is walking through the town. He looks and goes, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm having supper at your house. What? Shocked. No one eats at Zacchaeus' house. He's a cheat. He's a thief. He didn't practice the law. Even those religious leaders are going, he can't be a prophet or else he wouldn't be eating in his house. And the neat thing about it is Jesus didn't go to his house and say, Zacchaeus, when you do this, and you do this, and you do that. No, he's eating along, enjoying himself. Didn't preach to him. Didn't tell him to change. He accepted him. Zacchaeus, can you be going, I got this guy, this a prophet in my house. He's sitting right next to me. He's in my, in all the city. He, all All the walls come down for Zacchaeus. He has been accepted by a religious leader. Zacchaeus stands up. He goes, I need an announcement to make here. Attention. Anyone I've cheated, I'll pay you back. I'll only collect lawfully what goes to the government, I'll make it right. Because Jesus was an answer, he touched him emotionally, and stripped all the arguments he had against the law down, stripped it down, stripped all the arguments. He was accepted as an equal. He was he he he, he was treated as so. And isn't this amazing to me. Most of the people that Jesus hung with, Christians today stay away from. Wouldn't be seen with. Jesus was about being the answer. Then the solution. Today, we want to be the solution for the world. And Jesus is our example to say, hey, be the answer. Crush down the walls of doubt and hate and bigotry. So that solution can be found by them. I love a story that Jesus was, said, hurry, you got to go to Zacchaeus' house. Not Zacchaeus, we were just there. We leave Zacchaeus. We're going to Jairus' house. We're going to go see Jairus. Jairus' daughter is very sick. They think she's going to die. So he's, he's making his way. There's crowds pressing in. And he, somebody touched me. <laughs> you know what? I mean, the Bible says, he goes, the crowd backed up, they're it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. He goes, no. And Peter goes, there's people everywhere. How do you know? He goes, here's how I know, because power left me. Somebody touched me in a different way. And a lady who had an issue with blood for 12 years, which is considered unclean, just touched the hem of his garment. And she came forward and she threw herself down. <laughs> it was me. I just knew if I could just touch the hem of your garment. In any normal situation, Jesus publicly would have to reprimand this woman for touching him and her being unclean. Now he has to go dip himself seven times in the river to be clean because this unclean thing touched him with the issue of blood. And he turns to reprimand her and says... Your faith has made you whole, daughter. What did he call her? Called her my daughter. A term of endearment. This woman obviously, Jesus was just turning 30. This woman had an issue with blood for 12 years. She probably was older than him. And he turns and says, your faith has made you whole, my daughter. She's, he, she's not to be reprimanded because he accepted her as beloved. So he turns and he goes on into Jairus' house. And the women, the professional whalers are there. And they're going, oh, why would you come? Why bother him? She's dead. Because she's only asleep. They laughed at him. They said, what do you mean? It's not like well he's you're only mostly dead. No, he he was all the way dead. And here's what he did. You see, if it were me, and I, I would I have a moment here to to prove who I am. That I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who came. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in your place. Stay here and watch me raise the dead. But what did he do? said, she's just asleep, leave. 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 She's asleep, leave. Leave this little girl, she's just asleep. He said, when all of them had left, except for her parents, he said, get up, little girl. Bring her something to eat. And she awoke. You see, he was about her not being the walking dead. I know that's a favorite movie of most of you, you but back then, that's the girl. She's a ghost. She's a freak. Jesus was about them. Jesus is about us being the answer, not the solution. He was the answer to move all those people out so he could be the solution. They were in the way. He became the answer. So the solution could come. Now, what's important to realize is that we're not talking about enabling someone. Oh, honey, everyone, you don't, everyone's just jealous of you. You know, we're not to enable our children, our husband, or our wives. Jesus didn't enable. He became the answer, but you, once, you, once you become the answer, for instance, the prostitute that was thrown at his feet. Do you think those men clothed her before when they drug her out of that room? You know, let's stress. I bet she was just trying to hold on to whatever she could to cover herself and gets thrown at Jesus' feet and he's drawing the sand. That's why I think he was drawing the sand. Do <laughs> you He's just drawing the sand. And he says, whoever's not guilty of any sin. You throw the first stone. So he defends this woman who's guilty. He didn't say she wasn't guilty. He was the answer. He wasn't enabling saying, oh, honey, you didn't really sin. No, she did. Because when it was all done, he goes, where are the guys? She goes, they all left. He goes, okay, now, clean it up. Go sin no more. I know what you did. He didn't enable. When Jesus went through Samaritan uh, met met the Samaritan woman at the well she was shocked because most Jews walk around Samaria and in fear of bumping into Samaritan because they'd be unclean he goes could you draw me some water touch the water you're going to drink that's unheard of he goes yes please draw me some water so she draws him water and he drinks. He's unclean, but he, she's accepted by him. She, he received water from her. She's like, shock, just like, maybe not as much as the leper, but she's like, this Jew's drinking water I gave him. And then he reveals, you know, the man you're living with is not your husband, and you had five husbands before this was that enabling? No. When you're the answer to the here and now, it opens the door. It so so destroys the argument of people that you touched them. You accepted them where they are. There's all the doubt and all the fear and the arguments crash down that gives gives them a moment to hear the solution to their problem. It's Jesus. Then I was reminded that this, 30, 30 more years ago, I used to go to the parks and I'd see the little kids, the young teenagers get kicked off the basketball courts in the evening um, and they were just disorganized. So I would take them over to the basketball net that had no net. I even had my own net and we'd put the net up. I'd put one of the kids on my shoulders and they put because you don't shoot on that net because the ball goes through and all the big you know adults took and so I'd play basketball with them and in between we would, you know I'd hear their stories because most of them didn't have fathers or much of a family and I'd listen to their story and they'd listen to mine because I respected them and that's how this church was begun And that's what this church has always been about, the answer before the solution, to touch them at an emotional level that Jesus did, not enabling, but to touch them, to listen to them, to accept them, to crush the doubt, the fear. So that they can discover the solution. There's probably somebody in your life, someone you know, maybe at work, maybe a relative, that you can be the answer. Even if you've been the solution, you've always been. Speaking down to them, speaking at them, here's the solution, here's the solution, because you want to get them get them on with their life. I would even suggest that you ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to apologize in a natural setting if you come across. I mean, just throw it out to, to the Lord. So Lord, if I'm to apologize, you know, let's run into each other. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> so you can apologize. Listen, I'm so sorry. I always kept trying to tell you what the answer is for your life when I just needed to listen. Do you want to, I you know, I'm, I'm just really sorry. So once you know that I'm there, if you just want to have coffee, we don't need to talk about anything. Let's just go have coffee. That can be an answer. You don't need to talk about anything. Just have coffee. Just have a moment can be the answer so that they can find the solution so I'm gonna pray but at the end of the prayer and everyone Rory's gonna come out here I'm gonna have a couple of my huggers now I want you to know I'm not a good hugger the reason I'm sensitive to this I'm not a good hugger I was raised in the military like rules uh, I, was, I was raised that you never, if you're meeting someone, you never ra- raise your hand to a woman that you're meeting for the first time because you're forcing her to shake hands with you. I know it was pretty strict. <laughs> but I know the, the, the importance of a touch because if you do see me hugging someone without them coming to me, you know, with their arms like, eh. <laughs> every Peruvian I know, If you see me go with someone, and hug them. It's because the, the Holy Spirit prompted me that that person needs to be accepted. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a few huggers stand up. Pete's a hugger, Crystal, Crystal's a hugger. My family's out there. Oh, Christine hugs everybody. Anyway, she's probably already hugged everyone in the door. Anyway, so. But if you're a, if you're feel like you're a part of the leadership here and you're a hugger and just, I'm just going to have you come down when we pray but if you're that other person who says you know what I need someone to accept me and hug me I need to feel the touch I'm that leper that I've not felt the touch of someone who accepts me you'll be amazed at the power of that touch, absolutely amazed. Something can change in you today. A little bit more gas in your engine. So let's stand as I pray, and my huggers, kind of make your way down. So Father, we thank you that you are our answer, that you loved us first, and then you sent the solution in your son. You loved us. And then your son showed an example. How he accepted us. And then let us discover his salvation. Wow, Lord, my prayer is that today that we not only become the answer, but for those who are out of gas they'll just come and receive a hug, a touch someone who loves them, who accepts them as they are. As your word says, as I have loved you, love one another. And this way, everyone will know that you're my disciple. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, just a couple reminders of the announcements that the fast is starting this Saturday, and then we have the New Year's Eve party. This is the last service right here of 2019. Anybody want to give a cheer? Come on. All right. We will see you guys next year, next week.